Welcome, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the Are You Listening podcast, brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. Gio, how are you doing? How has this week started off for you? What's up, man? Uh, I mean, you know, it's Monday. Trying to be real positive <laughs> on a Monday. You know, I was feeling a little sick over the weekend, uh, but last week overall was was a good week for me. So, uh, you know, all positive spirits over here. How about you, man? Monday it is. Um, both getting a little battle tested. Woke up this this a.m. Man, getting old, Brad. Throughout my back, so just going yeah. through it, man. All in all, so we both feeling. That. I can't even stretching, laugh. bro. I know, <laughs> man. I got away from it. It's it's hard, man. When you got, I'm sitting down for eight, eight nine hours a day at a desk. I got to remind myself to stand up and stretch, man. Yeah, for sure. Not me too. Sure. Um, how was the weekend? Getting getting to anything good, or were you just kind of under under the weather? You mentioned just laying low. Hydrate yeah, things I started, of that so I actually I, I hosted a, a kid's birthday party on Saturday. Like a kid, uh, he wanted to do like a basketball theme for his birthday party. So him and all his friends, I put him through like some basketball drills, uh, some games, stuff like that. Uh, signed some autographs, so that was pretty cool. Um, you know, but after that, that's when I really started to feel like a little sick. So been like a little under the weather after that, and I didn't I didn't get a chance to go to MSG either, which. I kind of regret it once I like I wasn't really I wasn't really thinking about it too much beforehand, but then once I saw like all the videos, people there, it looked it looked lit. You were you were yeah. over there, right? Yeah, that shit was lit. It was yeah. incredible. No no atmosphere better um, than the garden from a playing or a uh, a spectator perspective, man. And um, there was a lot of controversy going into the game, and we'll get to the details of the outcome and everything about if it was technically a home game for RU. I know that the NCAA right. labeled it as a Rutgers basketball home game, but it's nothing like playing at Jersey Mike's Arena. Um, and I was a little worried to see what the support was going to be like because I've played at MSG at Rutgers and the opposing team's fan base is coming and taking it over. I know yeah, you've played at Rus- Rutgers, so I would be interested to hear your perspective, but it was a C of red man uh, and people were rowdy right from the tip early morning game the atmosphere was incredible yeah i mean i think i think now it's just that people people know what Rutgers basketball is about they know it's a winning program they know it's going to be a great game so you know any Rutgers alumni that that's in the city they were going to make sure to to pop out to the game whereas before like you said i played there before when i was in msg as a freshman the first game, I think everyone expected us to lose in the Big Ten tournament, so we didn't really have anybody. Second game, they're like, oh, now they're definitely going to lose. Same thing, <laughs> not as many people. And then that third game against Purdue, my freshman year, that's like kind of when, when we saw that sea of red where kind of everybody popped out. So um, I think now it's just the norm. Like people know what Rutgers basketball is, and, and Rutgers alumni are going to make sure to get in the door. Yeah, I think that that game was a testament of what the Big Ten hoped RU would bring to the conference yeah. all in all. Access to – one of the largest media markets in the entire world. Um, And then logistically, it's right up the block from RU, Piscataway, New Brunswick, wherever local alumni are. I live here in Brooklyn. I know that you live in North Jersey. Um, So it's an easy shot for people to get into the city. And again, the way that the garden does it, they accentuate the game on the court. Um, They dim the lights for the the people in the stands. So everything is, is just you know, up to par from taking in the game and seeing everything in front of you. And then, I don't know, it's just something special about that place, man. So all in all, man, it was a, it was a phenomenal experience again. And it's always good when when the, when the good guys come out with a dub. Oh, always good, man. They were hooping <laughs> too. It was a great game just overall, like back and forth, um, you know, real physical, 
great defense. Obviously, there was, you know, a little lid on the rim at <laughs> the beginning of the game. It was real rough, but um, I thought the guys did a great job of battling and, you know, just, just coming back and making plays. For sure, man. And, and with that, let's just transition over quickly to the, the X's and O's of things over the last two contests for Rutgers. <laughs> quickly starting out with um, coming off the heels of a tough loss to Iowa uh, out in eastern Iowa. Was interested to see how the team would bounce back. Had some travel woes getting back to uh, New Jersey. Only one day of preparation. And RU came out and smoked the Golden Gophers, man. They, they were not playing any games. Won that game 90-55. to 55, Largest margin of victory since joining the Big Ten Conference. And also over, I think it was 30 assists. Talk about sharing the game and then the Oscar Palmquist game thus far this season. I mean, man, it was, like you said, sharing the game. Obviously, that was beautiful, but Minnesota got a lot to work on, man. Like, it wasn't even – obviously, there there's a difference in the talent level between the two teams, but mm-hmm. in terms of the effort on defense, um, you know, the little details, just like the the hunger, like, I, I, you know, you didn't see any of it. Like, there wasn't like a smidge of effort on the defense. It was crazy. And I was talking to some of the guys after the game. I'm like, dude, that, it looked like shooting practice out there. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, it felt like shooting practice. Like, I mean, the shots that Oscar was getting, I mean, wide open. Like, and he would have time. He'd hold it, look around for a second. Oh, shoot, I'm I'm wide open. Let me just shoot this real quick. You know, so that was uh, – but I think it was a great tune-up for them, right? Like, they, they did need that. They needed that win. They needed to share the game like that. You know, guys like Oscar, Jalen, you know, different guys being able to get into the game. Uh, Dean Reber. Um, that's good for confidence too, and obviously super important. You know, um, especially now with a guy like Mawat Mag who, who goes down, and we're not really sure his situation yet. You know, you're gonna need these guys coming off the bench, being confident, being happy that you know they played a little bit, got some minutes, and, and were scoring as well. For sure, man. And uh, along the, the theme of offensive firepower, Oscar Palmquist, career high 13 points, Aiden Terry coming in. Um, yeah. Always, I, I've never seen. Um, a walk-on. Obviously, walk-ons are, are typically fan favorites as well, but Aiden's different with that. People really love when he has the opportunity to come into the game. Um, yeah, he's so, just a good kid, man. Just for a good sure. kid, works hard, and, like, you know, all the teammates love him, and you see the reaction in, in the rack. I mean, everybody was going crazy. Like, that was – I heard that was one of the loudest it's ever been. I wasn't in the building, so I, I can't can't say for myself. From a sound decibel standpoint, right? Man. And that picture, (laughs) that picture of everybody getting up hype, and then you just see Pike's face, and he's just zoned in. Locked in. He's thinking about how how the hell do I beat Purdue, be number one (laughs) seed. That's all Pike's thinking about. How the hell do we make a national championship? Thinking about that Michigan State scout. He ain't playing no games, man. He did not care about that three at all. (laughs) At all, bro. At all. But everybody else did. Uh, The place erupted. Jersey Mike's, Mike's Arena was rocking. Um, for uh, Minnesota, and that's a great pivot over into uh, Michigan State University, um, who a couple of weeks earlier, previous, uh, it was a little bit of a letdown game on the road against the Spartans, um, you know, as has been the consistent theme going out to East Lansing, a really tough and difficult place to play as Michigan State is notoriously good at home. And we knew that scoring was going to be something um, that RU needed to do better as they didn't do that you know, well from beyond the arc in the first matchup, but it came out and turned out to be a defensive battle. Surprise, surprise. RU obviously is rooted um, foundationally around their defense and Michigan state plays really good defense as well. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely a defensive battle. And I think 
you know, part of it was dudes just weren't making shots too. And and that was the difference in the first game was Michigan State made a, a bunch of threes and already didn't make any. And, um, you know, this time it was a little bit more even on that end. I think Rutgers did get beat on the glass, um, which against Michigan State is usually very scary. That's a very scary stat to hear. Um, mm-hmm. but, but we did a great job of getting to the free throw line more than they did and, um, you know, started to make them, you know, down the stretch as well, which was obviously super important. Derek Simpson stepped up, made two. You know, Caleb made some. Paul down the stretch was just, you know, Amazing. a mad man. Yeah, like, you Amazing. Know, just a veteran leader, veteran point guard taking over the offense putting the team on his back, making sure that, you know, you're not going to lose this game. And he's one of those main guys in the locker room basically saying, like, we have a chance to win the league, but we got to win. You know, we got to win out. And, and um, you know, his voice is one thing, but he showed it with his actions too, you know, on the court. And, and you know, just a, just a pure winner and a, a pure competitor. He's just confident right now. I'm, I'm listening to his, uh, his interview with Andy Katz. And the way that he's just discussing, you can tell that he's just completely confident in the work that mm-hmm. he puts in. And they always say what you do in the dark comes out in the light. So that player's only meeting that they had going in a halftime where they had to mentally recalibrate about what they needed to do, that just shows you that there's an extension on the court where you could have players take the accountability to self-correct before going out and figuring out how you're going to be able to win a game, which had so much significance in regards to where RU is now a little bit of separation solidified as the sole number two spot after beating Michigan State 61 to 55. Major contributions. Paul Mulcahy, as you had just mentioned, 17 points. Um, made a big time three in front of the bench. Cliff, another 15 point game um, as well. Uh, Kayla McConnell, Mawat Mag, obviously was really scary seeing Mawat going down. And yeah. we're still, we don't want to speculate, but um, you're hoping to have him back too. So, all hands on deck affair um for RU and uh and and a real big time win in front of um again a huge contingency a sea of red um really outnumbered the green in the crowd which just shows you where RU basketball is present day yeah man i mean really shows where they're at, where they're at present day it's 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 a uh, it's fun to see man you know and especially cuz i was a part of it in the early years when we were building this thing up and I think this is the vision that Coach Pike had. I think he still has an even bigger vision, honestly. Um, but, you know, just continuing to head in the right direction, I think that these that's what these guys are trying to do. And like you said with Paul, I mean, he's just so confident because he's so locked in. You know, he's so prepared. He's doing all the things. He's watching film. He's getting in the gym late night, getting shots up. And, and not just him, but all the guys are. And, you know, when you have guys like that, it makes Pike's job a lot easier. Like you said, you're able to do these player-only meetings and you know that they're going to be talking about the right things. So uh, it's it's beautiful to see, man. Yeah, it, it really is. And you talk about what RU basketball is and the vision that <laughs> Coach Pike and how like how locked in this dude is, man. And not even we don't like to speculate about recruits coming in, but some really big recruit recruiting news. So the future is bright. You add that into the mix of now what this foundation is, and the sky seems uh, to be the limit. Um, so all in all, a lot of real positive things for RU Nation from a momentum standpoint. Going ahead now, can't believe we're already trucking through February, so now we can start to kind of envision where this team might be seated for the Big Ten tournament, for the NCAA tournament, and some early projections have come out. Yeah, man, I think it's a perfect time to segue into the scouting report, what we got coming up. Um, I'm just looking at the Big Ten standings right now, so Rutgers is in second at 8-4, and four, and then after that you have Indiana, Illinois, Northwestern, Maryland, Iowa, and Michigan all at 75. Like that, that's crazy. Right. I don't think it's ever, you know, Big Ten is always kind of jumbled in the middle. But like we're talking about one loss and you could go from second all the way down to like eighth. 
Like that's fighting for your life each and every night. That's crazy. Each and every night. I mean, we got what was that? What how many teams did I just say? One, two, three, four, five, six teams that are seven and five right now tied for third. That's insane. That's that's really is crazy. this what and, people say when they think about the fact that like you just beat up on each other all season and then yeah, when the I mean, NCAA I, I tournament mean, comes around? Yeah, I mean, I think this this is a perfect example of that. Like it's it's kind of hard to argue that that isn't true when you see these standings, right? Like, right. So like much parity, like yeah, and and I'm yeah, it's 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 insane, man. But this, but it just shows how important every game is. Like how important that game at MSG was for Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Like you needed to build that small piece of separation. Even now, your next two games are at Indiana and at and Illinois. These are tough, tough games, man. Tough, tough games, tough teams, tough environments, and they they're super important right now because these are two teams that are right on your tail in, in terms of. The standings. These are two teams that are that are tied for third at seven and five. So you know you need to make sure to be super locked in. Obviously, Indiana has this game circle. Trace Jackson Davis, in his interview, he literally said he's like, "Oh well, you know we weren't tough, and we realized that after we got punked by Rutgers. Like he's already he's already thinking about Rutgers, Rutgers, Rutgers. You know what I mean? So that's that's going to be an important game uh, moving forward in terms of you know the standings, but also just a, a toughness a toughness factor as well. Yeah, I've been impressed with his response this season. He has been playing like a man amongst children as yep. of late. The whole uh, I, uh, Indiana team has really come on um, and, and really showed that they are, you know, we're worthy about some of those preseason predictions. Um, and anytime that you can go out and control the tempo um, and, and, and compete against Zach Eady, who's been going ballistic all season long. Um, I think we're in for a really, really good battle between him and Cliff specifically um, and, and these guard matchups as well. What do you think will be the overall outcome tomorrow uh, at Assembly Hall? I got Rutgers winning, man. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be super tough. Um, Indiana's 12-1 and one at home. But, you know, Rutgers usually does well against Indiana, usually does well against Purdue. The reason for that is usually the matchup. It's just the way it is. I think – Jalen Hood Shafino is a great basketball player. It's the perfect matchup for Caleb. He's not, he's not super quick. He's not taller than Caleb. He just has game. And Caleb usually does very well against players like that that have game. Similar height, similar build. Uh, he's way older than Hood Shafino, has way more experience. And he's locked in, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he's he's been here before. He's been in Indiana before. Uh, so I, I really love that matchup. And I think Cliff matches up well with Trace as well. Yeah. Like they know how to guard Trace. They've done it for years now. This isn't this isn't a new dominant player coming in this is this is a matchup that they're used to so i'm excited to see to see their obviously the result but um i think due to the matchups and obviously this this is also important is is mawat healthy you know if if mawat's not healthy that's that's a really big loss defensively a guy who knows your scheme a guy who's been starting the entire year uh that's that's tough that's tough to overcome hurts your bench a little bit you got to start playing more of the younger guys so this is assuming that mawat is is good to go um not sure if that's the case. I think Coach Pike said he may be out for a little bit uh, in an interview with Bruce Beck. So that 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 could be a tough loss for sure. But I know these guys will be ready to step up. Yeah. Um, and again, like I think RU does that very well. And, and obviously some positive signs about, you know, it not being as significant as an injury could be. I don't know if it was non-contact or contact, whatever it may be. The fact of the matter, Mawat has been the unsung hero, I think, for this team all yeah. season long. Um, and again, we've talked about it on recent episodes of his ability to guard one through five, him stepping up and making shots and expanding his game offensively uh, this season. 
Um, and that's what we needed. And and who's going to be able to step up and, and take that that rollover if he's out a couple of games against some really good teams that are clicking at the right time in their year? TBD. Oscar Palmquist got some really good stretch um, at at Madison Square Garden. Um, so he'll have to continue to bring a, you know an offensive factor into this lineup going forward too. But taking a, a step back again to Caleb McConnell, man. In my opinion, he's got to be right there at the end of the year in that national defensive player of the year conversation, man. Because even a lot of the stuff, even a lot of stuff that doesn't show up in the stat sheet, he's just so disruptive, like tips, you know, being able to break up, you know, dribble handoffs and ball screens. Um, He was just a menace against Tyson Walker and some of the other guys against Michigan State at the Garden. And a lot of that goes under the radar. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's and and I think some people don't even see this, but like. Some teams, too, they'll just try to go away. Whoever Caleb is guarding, they're just going to go to a whole other player because they don't even want to, you know, think about that matchup. I remember we used to do that with Nogel Eastern. If he was guarding Ron, then the ball was going to me. If he was guarding me, then the ball was going to Ron. And we're just like, we're just going to avoid that in total. And we're definitely seeing that with uh, with Caleb as well. And I saw he has a, a new nickname, too. They, they're calling him the Blanket now, which, <laughs> which I like. He's yeah. He's got you covered. <laughs> yeah, they had a they had a big-ass blanket at Medicine Square Garden with Caleb or McConnell, number 22. Yeah. Uh, so if they keep bringing that around and keeps bringing the juju, the yeah. good juju for RU, I'm all for it, man. But it's yeah. true. He's all over people, so it is what it is. Yeah, man. Um, so just to wrap that thought, uh, we're going to transition over. We got word on campus with a very special guest, Hamade Njai, one of the best, the best defensive players in Rutgers basketball history. One of my former teammates. He was my senior when I was a freshman. H, what's good, man? Tell our nation what you've been up to. Appreciate you, man. <laughs> what you've been up to, man? Hey, I've been, I've been good. I can't complain. I can't complain. Really traveling the world, enjoying this life, and still playing. You know, <laughs> it's an amazing trip. Love that, man. Awesome. Um, Talk to me about ultimately why you chose Rutgers at the end of the day. I know coming out of high school, maybe you can get into a little bit of your background from a grassroots standpoint. You had a couple of different offers, but ultimately what spoke to you about Rutgers University? Well, um, for me, it was, um, well, with my background, I started basketball very late. I started basketball when I was 16 in Senegal, and um, I knew I didn't really have that much time uh, and experience, especially being on the court and understanding the game and all that stuff that when I got to America, um, I realized that most of the guys have been playing for so long and um, everyone had a a different understanding of the game that I had where I was still learning the ropes. I was still, I can even say, learning to dribble the ball. Like those things were, (laughs) were basics for me where I saw everyone was doing a bunch of stuff that I didn't know how to really do. But um, the one thing I knew I had was the heart to play. Um, and that was something that I still play with. It's just that, that, that notion that I'm not letting nobody outwork me and all those things. So um, coming out of the high school, I was recruited by uh, what Miami, UConn, Pittsburgh. And um, it, they spoke to me. And those were really big schools that I went to visit and all those things. But um what spoke to me at Rutgers one was uh, the staff. Um, they were the first to come check me out when I came to America before I even spoke English. Um, and, and they kept that relationship going. And then it was uh, it was something where 
I didn't want to be in a big school, big name school at the time where um, everyone were just talking about the Yukons and all those 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 names. But um, Rutgers was at, a, was at a place where I felt like they would give me a chance to grow. They would give me a chance to learn, make my mistakes. Uh, one thing that the coach, which was Coach Hill at the time, had told me was, uh, I'll let you make your mistakes on the court. And uh, from there, you will grow and you will learn basketball instead of just being on the side and playing behind people that basically didn't know how you were going to uh, grow, um, like get get the experience or have to redshirt and all those things. So that spoke to me. And then um, I wanted to really finish school, which was why I came to America in the first place. I wanted to go all the way through. And I realized that um, a lot of places were really into the basketball, the big names and the big, big staff and all that stuff. But uh, at Rutgers, I felt I felt like they were really focused into we're going to get you to continue your your um, you, you will graduate from here. And at the same time, we will give you the experience you need on the court to to become a true um, basketball player that that you want to be. We know that you you were late and all those things, but we're going we're going to take the time. And that really spoke to me uh, bigger than anything else. He, the the names of the school was not was not my thing. The uh, the glams it wasn't really my. I liked where I was. I like that it was also in New Jersey, where um, was my first place when I came to America, um, and I wanted to be back there. So it, it was a lot of connections for me, where I was like, "Yo, I want to give this school a chance and and do something really big with them." For me, um, at back then, where you know you was in the Big East, so we were talking like, "Yeah, we go, we go." Doobie was still there. Quincy was still there when I was getting recruited. That's a good point. I was about to, I was about to bring that up. Yeah. Like your first experience and exposure yeah. at RU was, you know, they're coming off of you know an NIT yep. momentum. Also, Quincy Doobie, who was our our last guest here on the pod. Yep. Shout out to Quincy. Yeah. Um, he had an All American you know type run and ultimately went on to be a first round pick. Yeah. What did you see about his preparation that you were able to take, you know, in your impressionable years to help you build during your RU career? Well, for me, it was, um, first, we never got to play together. That was the, the thing. He left, right. He recruited me and then left. So <laughs> that was, you know, I'm sure got you. you, you got your ass. You had experiences <laughs> where I was like, yeah, I'm about to go play with Quincy. Wait, you're not going? Oh, damn. Okay, I'm by myself. All right, cool. So um, it was uh, it was an experience for me because I ended up coming by myself to Rutgers. I'm, I, we were about to come like as a group and was like, we're going to play with Quincy and all that. Ended up signing by myself and I was a lone freshman there. So I was like, oh, this is this is this takes it a whole new level for me. Um, but what what brought me down to it while watching Quincy play was I saw his his offensive minded, his skill set and the way he really approached the game where for me, I was still learning those ropes. I was still learning to make layups. I, I was good at dunking everything um, and I'm going to block everything that comes by. But. Um, I'm still learning the things. And I was like, maybe the both of us on the court together, we can do something. You know, I already had accepted my role as uh, one of the guys that's always going to fight with the dirty, dirty work and all those things. And um, I accepted that. And I always was looking kind of for the compliment. 
the guy that's going to be on the court and do that other side, the the, the shooting and, and pass me the ball when I need to sometimes. And that's what I saw when I was like, all right, I'm going to go to Rutgers and um, I'm going to trust that the path is where this is where I need to be, do what I need to be doing for myself, really, um, to to get to that next level. Heard that. And then. Um, you come into obviously are using the Big Ten right now, and Gio will get into a little bit of modern day basketball in a bit. But back in the day, uh, and that's not even that long ago, I, I keep aging myself like we crazy old at this <laughs> point. Right? Right. We were in the Big in East, man: Syracuse, Villanova, Notre Dame, Georgetown, um, Louisville. The the list goes on. Let me let me read out a couple of names to you, oh. and and let me know which of these players, which I know we matched up against yeah. together. Um, was the biggest thorn in your side. Luke Herringote, Hashim Thabit, Rudy Gay, Jeff Green, Wilson Chandler, Roy Hibbert, Dewan Blair, Sam Young, Johnny Flynn, Corey Stokes, and obviously there's a list of others. Man, okay. All right, we'll we'll start with with, um, the number one for me, I think, was Thabit. That was a personal battle. Um, Thabit, both Africans, and uh, <laughs> right there was to me was uh, it was the the centers the battle of the centers. At any time we faced each other, it was like uh, we 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 got none to give. But at a certain point, I I even remember it didn't feel like basketball anymore. We just it was we we're basically fighting on the court. It was like I'm gonna show you where I'm from. You are gonna show me where you're from. But we had that mutual <laughs> respect um, on off the court that that I appreciated. And um, you had uh, Heron Goatee, as you remember, that that was that was one that I um, that was a personal battle in the matter where he was he was extremely great offensively, you know, and to me, I placed myself as extremely great defensively. And so it was always I'm going to shut this man down no matter what you do, what you say, whenever I'm going to face you. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna get the glamour, the glimpse and glamour that you have everywhere else. And people are scared of you. I'm not scared of no man. So it was like, it was those fires that you could get. Um, you, you named um, from Pittsburgh uh, also. Dewan Blair. Dewan Blair, the solid rock. See, it was you know <laughs> that's a solid rock where to me you was going against these guys and and. I didn't have the weight, not gonna lie to y'all. <laughs> you remember, the weight wasn't really all the way there. I was still that skinny African guy that does, I'm benching all crazy, but I'm, I was very skinny. So um, when I was facing those guys, it, it it was a different fire that used to like, come through me where I was like, this is rockets, yo. Like this is the rat, this, and there's nobody coming through here. And that, that sense of family, that sense of, uh, this is home for me. Um, and protecting home was something I really developed at, at Rutgers where I felt like it didn't matter who was in front of me. I knew the names. Um, I, I knew exactly what they were capable of doing. But for me, it was more I'm defending my house. I'm defending my peoples and my family here. And Rutgers was was kind of my first step into building a family outside of Africa. Once Once I left, it was like this is... I have the people, the, the support of the the, the students, the, the staff, everyone was there. And and that was something that I, I you could see, you could feel while while I'm on the court. I, I never gave anything up. It was just like, until that buzzer hit, 
I'm going all the way for the win and I'm going, going to fight for this thing. So um, those names, and I still remember even on the day of the draft, waiting on to hear some of those names. And I was like, whew, he still ain't get, he, he ain't go yet? Man, <laughs> dang, how this is going to happen? <laughs> like, but It shows you how tough it, it really was. And one more thing for me, um, before I, before Gio jumps in, yeah. um, you finish your RU career, number one in blocks, uh, single season in blocks, number one, with 145. Um, blocks in a game, you had 10 one time, nine blocks twice. Yep. Eight blocks three times in one contest. And ultimately, it all culminated with a Big East Defensive Player of the Year award in 2009, 2010. What did that mean to you when you were able to finally separate yourself in a very competitive conference and and make a name for not only Hamade, but for RU? That was, oh, wow. Um, You see, I, I can even feel it now where you go you don't realize what you are really accomplishing and what you're walking towards uh, until you get there. It's not, it's not something that I, I even knew as the season was going. It was uh, towards the end, the talk started going. And you, you, if you remember, I was always disconnected from the outside world. I never really paid attention to medias or any of those things. So I never really checked it until the moment where I realized, well, I just broke the record and... Um, I actually got my name in Rutgers now for accomplishing something and sacrificing, as I just said earlier, um, I was defending home. I was defending my family. I was defending everything that I had at the moment was there at Rutgers. And um, it was um, it was a joy that I couldn't I can't really explain, especially knowing that I had to separate myself uh, from the crowd, from that the great competition that we always had and knowing for where I came from in Senegal that I was able to leave a mark at a school like like Rutgers um, that in the beginning most questioned. I even questioned myself because I knew I didn't have the skills um, necessary to get there, but there was nothing that I gave up. I, I just loved it. I loved those moments and realizing it at the end, I still rewatch the highlights sometimes and I just go, wow, those were times that honestly still to this day bring me joy and, and I still feel to, to the, for the rest of my life, I'll feel those moments. I feel the, the senior night game where uh, that is probably one of the best moments of my entire career to this day. Um, really, you go through those things where you just realize, wow, um, I, I made a mark for myself. I lived it with a bunch of guys that I still love to this day. And um, at any point now, I have that. I've done that. It's, nobody can take it away from me. Um, and it's a mark also for the next generation of guys that are coming in and doing great things. I'm watching the games. Trust me, I'm watching these things. And I'm like, Phew. These guys are amazing. What? <laughs> I think that's the that's the perfect oh, that's, segue right yeah, there yeah, for you. I, I was just gonna say I wanted I wanted to ask you about that. First of all, I want to say I love the way you talk about defense. Like uh, our coaches, Coach Pike, Coach Hobbs, yep. P Knight, they all say the same thing. Like guard your yard, defend your house, right? Defend your family. So everything you're saying is like the same thing that they're preaching, and it, and it makes sense because if that's the way you thought, that's kind of the way that the Rutgers team thinks now, which. You know, it's kind of led to this resurgence, uh, you know, starting to dominate the Big Ten a little bit. But I wanted to ask you specifically about Caleb McConnell. And, you know, he was the last player to win 
the defensive player of the year since yourself. Yep. Uh, what have you seen from him and what do you like about the way he defends? And uh, I mean, I know you said that you watched the game. So uh, just, yeah, what are you seeing from him and what do you like about it? It's, it's in, in um, easy terms, it's the dog. It's that it's that dog. It's uh, <laughs> it's something that you can watch a lot of basketball, watch a lot of players in in different uh, region of the world and everything. Um, but you can tell someone has that dog when you watch them play. You know yeah. someone that just doesn't give up. Someone that is gonna is willing to sacrifice their bodies for somebody else. It wasn't. It's not for them. And that's what I see. I see uh, when K. I, I'm, that's my actually my first time calling um, was last year when he got the the defensive player of the year. I called to make sure I was like, yo, I I want to make sure you know, like respect. I, I appreciate seeing this because yeah. uh, it's not that many of those guys in 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 this basketball world. I tell you, I've been all around the world, like from <laughs> America to China to to Europe. I've done it all and. When you see a guy that is that is like that, you go, wow, I appreciate it. I appreciate it personally because I know what it takes. I know the sacrifice yeah. that it takes to not just want a bucket, go to fillet, do all this other stuff that everyone is doing to look good and be on Instagram and all these things. But the, the small details on defense where um, you know that it's not going to be a, on a stat sheet. You know that ain't, there's nobody is going to talk about that highlight that you just stole the ball and passed it to your teammate who gave a bucket. The bucket is going to be on the on the on the highlight, but no one is going to talk about that steal that you just did or the block or um, just the presence of stepping up and and shutting somebody that beat your teammate or something like that. Those are details in basketball that honestly, to me, matter more than everything else. So when I see you guys really killing, winning with that. Uh, with that attitude on on not not just him, I'm watching uh, Big Cliff getting blocks and and I'm like, yo, hold on, these guys is a brand new generation of ballers, like full skill yeah. ballers. Like I told you earlier, I didn't have those skills. I honestly can be honest today and say, when I was at Rutgers, I knew how to fly, dunk the ball, have the heart of killing everybody. But you give me the ball by myself, I'm gonna fumble that thing somewhere. I don't I, I, <laughs> like, and and those are honest truths. Like I thought back yeah. then that you, I could do a crossover, step back, and no, I never had that really until yeah, yeah none of that. Big ass on the block. You remember they used to call the block Senegal. <laughs> the, the coaches used to be like, get back to Senegal. What you doing? Don't be shooting that ball. Get back to Senegal. That's under the rim right there. That's your spot. So. When I see people now, the young generation, the new generation fighting and 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 really um, developing their skills as not just team basketball, but personal skills, personal guys where uh, you fight for each other. You got each other's back. You can tell by watching the games, by watching even a highlight. I'm like, yeah, that, there's a chemistry there. There is something that is that's a fire that's going to make these guys go further. And you showing it on the court. It shows yeah. by the results. It shows that you guys have done certain work that was necessary to get there. People won't know about it, but it's amazing to for someone that has experience like me to go, yeah, you guys, you guys deserve that respect and deserve the place that you are in right now. So yeah, I, I love that. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I think I think that that kind of leads into my next question too. And, and you mentioned this earlier was 
you know, the importance of playing your role and, and kind of starring in your role. And I think a lot of young guys today have trouble with that, have trouble understanding that. How has that helped you, especially even after Rutgers, like continue your career? You say you're still playing right now. I think you said you're in France. Yeah. How has that helped you continue to, to play all the way up till now? So um, when I first started to, to understand that part was when I first started, is when I first realized that everyone wanted to be Allen Iverson. Everyone had the, the headband, the crossover, and everyone knew how to do all these other things, but um, no one wanted to do the dirty work. And someone told me, you have to separate yourself from the crowd. You have to be different from everybody else. And, and for me, once I realized, one, I was good in defense. I was good at, my mentality was always, if I don't score, you're not scoring. If if you beat my teammate, I'm going to be here. You're going to have to beat me too, you know. Um, and those cert- simple details that a lot of guys don't really think about because they think yeah. the stats is what gets you to the next level. But every NBA team got a full-blown score. Every- <laughs> That's what I always say. I always say that. Always say that. <laughs> That's not what they really need. You got one of them that might be able to be needed up there, but... What is that skill that you have that other teams really don't? What is that thing that is going to make you step out from the crowd that when somebody come watch you play, they're like, whoa, I don't I don't see him on the stat sheet. But dang, that guy right there is different. You know, Uh, and and, and at first the dog was, yeah, I have this fire inside of me. I have a heart that to this day you can see when I'm on the court like. I, I can intimidate you without saying a word because I'm not going to give up for my team. I want to fight for all this stuff. And defensively is where I found my route. Everyone finds their little thing. Yeah. When you find a guy that just is not a crossover guy, but just knows how to shoot from that point right here, that he perfected it and he's not going to let that go. That's his shot. And he does that perfectly. I say, then you found your thing, you know? Um, everyone has something that you do better than the next guy. You can't do what the next guy does. So uh, when I'm when I'm rolling and I get the ball and I'm like, I want to take this jump shot. And I see somebody that shoots better than me, hit the ball. You got it. You do it better yeah. than I do. So <laughs> I'm not going to force right. my shot just because I want to look good on camera. I want to win. The end result is winning. That's That's what makes a long career. A long career comes with this guy is a winner. He's not one of those guys that just want to want to be in the highlights and be seen all the time or talked about all the time and all of that stuff. Because believe me, everyone sees it. You, we can lie to ourselves or we want or whatever, but everyone sees what you do. And for me, my career has been the same. My reputation been the same from Rutgers to now. Um, it's this guy just wants to win. I don't care what you say about me after the game. You can go on all the blogs, talk all you want. I could care less. If I won the game at the end of the day, say what you got to say. I did my job. And that's that's what's important and missing a bit in this new generation a little bit. You know, like it's missing where we've seen the Currys, we've seen uh, the the Kyries, and, uh, and all of a sudden everybody want to be that guy. But we don't talk about the 15th guy on the bench. You don't talk about the guy that actually prepared them to be where they at, you know? And like everyone has a role that is very important to a team. And once everyone accepts that role on the team is where you get teams that just go further 
and you don't realize, oh, how are these guys really going so far? But they just have that chemistry and they know each other and they accept it. This is what I do. I do it best. And I'm not going to let nobody do it better than me. And I'm going to get him better. I'm going to get him better by doing my job to the T. And that's an understanding that is missing in the in this generation sometimes when you watch the games and all that. And when you have a, a good coach that can put it all together, that can explain without frustration, without all those things, it's where you get um you you get the great teams. That's what makes the difference yeah. where you go, yo, he ain't going to be making will mills and all that stuff, but... If he gets you on the block, you are done. You can't move. You know, like if those little details are are important for everyone to know and acknowledge that that's his point. That's what he does best. Do it to the T. And that's what I do to this day. No, I think that's that's great insight and great advice. And it's definitely true, too. Like that's something that Coach Michael preaches a lot is just, you know, starring in your role, understanding how you can help the team. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is winning. Like if you break down the NBA draft, except for like the lottery picks most of the time. Those last couple picks, they're always winners. Like they're plugging plugging pieces, G. Like plugging right. pieces in. It's, they need superstars in individual roles. The sum of yeah. the sum of the grand scheme of parts. Yeah, exactly. Man. So, but that also segues to my next question too, which is, um, you were the last player to be drafted for RU. You were you were picked uh, in 2010, uh, the second round, 56 to Minnesota Timberwolves. Can you just talk about that process a little bit? What you went through, what you learned. Uh, and what you liked and maybe what you didn't like about the whole process in general. Wow. Um, okay. So the pre, pre-draft pre process with all the workouts um, for me was, um, it was an amazing experience, one, as taxing as it was. It's yeah. not, there's nothing easy about, about that pre-draft. I don't know if it changed by now because, it's over a decade ago now. We really think about it. That was a, that was a we were still wearing Adidas in the NBA back then. So, yeah. so um, the, those those that that workout where you get to to a, to a, to a team and it's about six of you you guys, six to eight of guy of the guys, uh, all trying to be drafted, all trying to get down one spot, and it's a bell fight right there. It's hit a ball. Can you dribble? Can you shoot? Can you do this? Can you do that? Now play. And you go, I did personally, because I knew that my chances were not so high. We were not that great of a uh, a team back then at Rutgers, so I didn't have the glamour of being seen on television all the time. Um, being defensive player of the year was great, but it doesn't get, it get you but so much. So right. me, it was... Um, I got to go find it. I got to go get it done. So I went to, through about 16 workouts. Um, and that is like back to back. You fly here today, tomorrow you, yep. you, you're in Miami. The next day you're in D.C. And you, you go as much as you possibly can to be seen and to show these teams exactly what you are about. Now, there is different parts of it where uh, you got the basketball part and then the afterwards uh, where you get to speak to the GMs, you speak to the coaches, and uh, have a bit of an interview. I took it just like an interview, just like I learned to do an interview. When I went to these workouts, while everyone else first showed up in their sweats and their flip flops, and you know, just I'm coming to ball out. I came in in a suit, came suited and booted. You remember Austin? I still, <laughs> I came That's crazy. ready. Like I came in full yeah. suit. 
And then if I could have a briefcase, you could see me with a briefcase where it was like, <laughs> like I was dead serious about I'm coming for a job. I'm not coming here just to play yeah. basketball, but I'm going to show you guys. And mind you, they all already know all about me. You're not getting, they're not going to draft you or give you that amount of money until they did all the research necessary on you. So there is nothing that is already hidden. But that face-to-face contact where I get to show you who I am, what I'm about. I'm not this street dude. I'm not this, I'm, I'm the NGI, the guy from Africa that came here to get a job and go all the way as far as I possibly can. Um, I studied, I'm finishing my school and I'm here like as a person. I'm not just a merchandise or whatever. And that was an impact that I added. It was something that I learned where it was, okay, um, who are you? Are you just a basketball player the, that or are you just a guy that want to get drafted to get the money, you know, um, or you want to you want to do something with your life that is that is way more important um, than just basketball. And I always mentioned that part where uh, for me, I wanted to do things that were bigger than just basketball. I always wanted to, to help out my peoples back in Africa. Uh, I always wanted to to do something big compared to uh, just the way I was brought. I started very late. I fought for everything that I got. Now, if I could make the trajectory of the next generation better, um, why not do that? And if I can help with that, I'll give it my all. So um, the interview part for me was always about what am I bringing to a team that... um, you guys don't have just the same way I do it on the court. I'm going to do it right here after the, after the interview. And that was a key moment for me where I, I realized that a lot of guys see you on paper. A lot of scouts check you out. They come to your games, they see, you. but the personal part beside what everyone told them is not really there. And, and I realized after getting drafted that that was really a key moment because they even told me, they were like, we didn't really draft you for your basketball skills. We drafted you because you have your head on your shoulders and you can keep a team together. And we have a lot, a lot of young guys. Those details were, were something that I was like, wow. Like, it wasn't about my basketball. Everyone could jump. Yeah. I was with the Wizards where I was with JaVale McGee and John Wall and all those guys. And I'm like, hold on. Somebody can jump higher than me? What do you mean? <laughs> what, what is this? Who are these freaks? Like, <laughs> and I remember my trainer telling me, yo, when you get to the Wizards, be careful. There's there's a guy there. His name is JaVale McGee. And I'm like, there's no way there's a guy that jumps higher than me. Nothing. I, I am that guy. I got there. I looked at JaVale for the first practice or something. I said, who made you, bro? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and those are experiences that you really you, right. you learn from. Uh, so that pre-draft process, I went to to workouts even the day before the draft. I was chilling by the pool, and I got a phone call from Philly, and they were like, "Yo, we got a guy we want to work out. You're not so far away. You want to come do the workout?" I'm like, "Why not? Send me a car. I'm down." Right. Like. Because it's still basketball. It's something that I love doing. And it wasn't just about showing you that I'm, I want to get drafted. I still want to play. I'm going to show you that I'm willing to do it anywhere, anytime, at any point against anybody. Um, and those are, are details that you add to that process. Um, and to get to that draft night, I honestly, <laughs> I did all those workouts. It was all great. But I wasn't prepared technically to get drafted. Like, 
I was I was there mentally preparing myself for what happens next. You know, like yeah. if I don't get in, can I go to summer league? Can I get called for training camp? Can I can I go overseas and come back? You know, all those details that really we're not really prepared for. People don't tell us so much because you are so much into the basketball, mm-hmm. basketball, the basketball, and you don't really get ready for someone like me who didn't even have my family there. Like, I was like, what am I, what am I to do at this moment? So as the draft is going, <laughs> those first 30 go from 7, 7 p.m. to uh, 10, 11 o'clock. You're sitting there like, whew, okay, them 30 are gone now. The next 30 who have non-guaranteed contracts and um, the rest of the world is all waiting to get drafted in this exact moment. How am I going to make it in here? And so and then you have the family around. You have a lot of aspects of things that really are moving to stay really focused at the moment. So I remember uh, this is going to sound really funny because what was it? I think the 50 at the 54th or or some pick was Luke Herring Goldie that got picked 50 seconds. <laughs> Talk about how y'all used to battle in college too. Battle. Y'all used to no, go at it. I'm not gonna lie to you. To all the way to the draft, it was a battle. Like in my mind, this guy is not going before me because I shut him down. <laughs> like I'm. I'm not letting this guy get before me. I can't control none of it. But it was like, yo, we're going to go all the way through. So when when his name got called, and I remember looking at my agent, and I go, he got picked, and I'm still here waiting. And only like a couple of picks left, and I'm not on this thing. So my brain is completely gone on like, I'm going to have to go to training camp. I'm going to have to go find somebody. I'm gonna, I'm I'm going to fight these guys at training camp. I'm going to battle this thing all the way through like um and I, I at a certain point is where I realized that cuz I was in the living room at my friend's house and everyone started jumping around. Mind you, I'm sitting in front of the TV, but this how far gone my mind was. I'm looking at the TV and I'm not realizing that my name has been called in my highlight going. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm just sitting there like this, and guys are fit, flipping around me like my friends and everybody. Yeah, and I'm just like, what happened? Wait, <laughs> that's a red jersey. That's records. Hold on, number. F- Wait, that's me. What number is this? Fifty six. Hold on, I'm in the draft. Oh snap! Like, but it took me a couple seconds to realize that yo, you made it. You made it right in that moment, right here. You know, you it's it's the feeling of wow. Everything flashes through your mind for a quick second. The workouts, the sacrifices, me not being able to talk to my family, me not being able to go home, like having my parents fly to Rutgers to see me play for like the first time together at my senior night. All those things come back to your, to my mind at that moment. I think that was like probably the first time I got real tears, like just come out my eyes and I'm just like, why am I crying? What, what? I'm, I'm a man, you're not supposed to cry. <laughs> like, but it, these are true feelings that I, I still feel to this day. And you go through that pro- process and you realize it was all worth it. You know, like it's all something that 
you can't, like I said earlier, you can't take away from me. I fought for this. I gave everything yeah. up to get to this point. Um, and, and I'm going to continue fighting. That, that's that, that mentality that goes, maybe everyone didn't see that what I was doing. Everyone wasn't there when I was in the gym by myself. No one, like, but it pays off because now I'm here. I got I to gotta make it to the next step. Um, and I remember clearly getting that phone call because I got drafted by the Timberwolves and traded to the Wizards uh, way before even it happened. So they called me and they're like, yo, <laughs> hey, man, uh, we are so happy to see you. It's 15 minutes after I done cried and hugged everybody and all this stuff, like 15 minutes later. We are happy to have you. We are great that you, are, you got drafted and everything. Uh, but we don't want you to come to training camp. We want you to go overseas for a couple of years and we'll call you back. <laughs> yo. So imagine the high that you just go through in that moment. The thing yeah. goes to the roof and all of a sudden, wait, what? What 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 do you mean? What what do you say? Like and they're like, Yeah, you know, we will keep your rights. I remember this, these words coming out like, Yeah, we'll keep your rights for a couple of years. You'll go over there, you'll develop, we'll put you on the team, you'll go over there for a couple of years and then we'll bring you back. And I remember glancing at my agent and the words just flew out my mouth. I ain't even, I couldn't even help it. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm from overseas. I ain't going back. Oh. <laughs> and literally like that, I was like, I ain't going back. So um, I'll come to to uh, summer league and I'll come to training camp. And if you guys decide to cut me, I understand. Like, but at least you will see me and cut me in front of me. But me going overseas right now, I don't think is really the option. And my agent just panicked for a second. Like, what did you just do? Mind you, 12 years later now that I think about it, I still would do the same, but yeah. there's a way to go about this thing. I let my emotion at right. that time just grab me up because I done fought so hard to get here. I'm not letting the opportunity of a lifetime that I did everything for to go away just because I didn't step up. Like, the, And I still don't regret it because I ended up making the team and being there for a couple of years and everything, but it's it's still the, those moments, those key moments where you got to trust yourself, trust that you've yeah. done the work, trust that um, everything is there for a reason at the time. And I wasn't scared to to go out there and, and kill, fight for whatever it is that I have to do. But the work that I've done to get to this point wasn't going to be erased just because of a phone call. And I didn't want that. I wanted what I respect is I'm going to get there. You see me. Okay, you might not be skilled enough for it, um, so we're not going to keep you. My goal, my first couple of years in the NBA, wasn't to play. I didn't. I wasn't trying to play in the NBA. I was trying to learn. I was trying to to get better. I was trying to learn from the top players in the world and the top coaches in the world. You know, um, and I was like, even if I go there and just sit on the bench and I get to practice with these guys, I get to to do something better because. Personal development was something that I didn't even know until the end of my junior year. I didn't have a guy that's going to come and work me out personally. Yeah. I had Coach Savino uh, teach me how to do a hook shot, a running hook shot like Roy Hibbert. 
Um, I still remember those those like running hook shot. I'm like, that was my move. Shout out, shout out to Cut Savino. He coached Miles Johnson at UCLA too. Yeah, so it's all full oh, circle shit. in the basketball world, man. Is, this is awesome, man. I, I I appreciate you, H, man. You coming on here, dropping gems. We're gonna have to have you back on because we've already yeah, at the man. top top of the hour, bro. Sure. I think that the, the the gems that you've given us thus far are plenty. Uh, for us to be able to try to internalize now. One, I'm going to leave you with two quick things and just yep. one-word answers because we're already over I got time. you. Quickest, uh, who who dunked on you? Every shot blocker thinks that they block every shot. That's a lie. <laughs> who dunked on you the worst in your career? Just one name. Oh, whew. the worst in my career, I think, was still at Rutgers, actually. Um, the worst in my entire career was the one at Rutgers against Syracuse. Um Johnny Flynn? No, or, no, Johnny Flynn. Oh, Wesley Johnson. Um, the big man, Onowaku, I think he was. Oh, Onowaku, yeah, he was talking about that. I remember and, that one. Yep. And then um, you're keeping up with Rutgers. What are you, what are your expectations for them this season? Win it all. I, there is no other expectations but to win it all. Like you, you guys have had honestly a great couple of years of really doing great things. Why not go all the way? It's, it's, yeah. it's possible. Now, I'm not playing, I'm not saying you have to do it because we know how the season goes. Um, but I honestly believe that personally for each and every one of you guys on, that, on this team, I have super great expectations. And I feel like you can, you can get places that haven't been done yet. Keep making history, which is the key. Make the history and leave your names on, on, on the Rutgers board, just like everyone wants to do. So I believe in that. Love it, man. We will conclude with that. And, and just a, another um, sincere gratitude for you joining us all the way from Paris, my guy. We'll have you back on an episode later, uh, you know, this year, maybe. Not we'll see. Not time. Um, but appreciate you, man. And we appreciate you guys tuning in to this episode of the Are You Listening podcast. Really exciting. A lot of really good gems. And we'll, we'll see you guys next episode. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.